Thank you, Ed. Hey, before I get into uh, the message and our conversation for today, I want to read you something. I, uh, yeah, uh, on Friday afternoon, I was having a little devotion time, uh, New Year's Eve, and uh, yeah, I didn't have my devotion on New Year's Eve till the afternoon because I slept in. You know what I'm saying? Anybody say amen to that? Amen. Thank you. Thank you for humoring me. But anyway, just came across a verse, and I just want to read something to you. I did a little journaling on it uh, because that's what I do, and I talk about it all the time, journaling, and it bothers people, but I'm, I'm still going to do it. So, uh, so I, was, I was in this, uh, I was about to go to this verse that's a really cool New Year's verse. It's in Isaiah uh, 43, verses 18 and 19, and that's where God says, I'm going to do a new thing. And I think that's cool. That is a great message and truth about, uh, about our God that's cool to meditate on uh, around New Year's time. But uh, So I was just kind of wandering around some of those verses, and I moseyed up a little earlier in the book of Isaiah 43, chapter 43. And I came across verse 16, and in verse 16... Uh, God identifies himself or refers to himself as the Lord who makes a way in the seas and makes a path in the mighty waters. And I thought that was cool because it's obviously, well, and you read it, you find out he's kind of like doing a remembrance, a highlight reel through that prophecy to remind the children of Israel of how he got them through the Red Sea when they crossed through the water. And uh, when, when they were coming out of Egypt. And so it's kind of a reminder of that. But then God, after that, goes on to say, I'm still in the business of doing that type of thing. So anyway, that was the verse that grabbed my heart on New Year's Eve. It said, God refers to himself as the God who, and I quote, makes a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters. And so I, I just want to read what I, what I wrote because I think it's a, a word for us to, to grab a hold to uh, around New Year's here as a church family. Uh, it, and I wrote, it occurs to me that the Lord always makes a way. The Lord always makes a way. And, and then before I continued, I, I had the thought in my head, well, what about... If we believe that God makes a way, and we sing the song Waymaker, we, everybody loves Waymaker, right? Awesome. Woo. But if we believe that God makes a way, and then we go through a year or two, or three or ten, where it doesn't seem like he did make a way. You know what I'm saying? Where, or where it seems like, whoa, where's that way? Still waiting on it, you know? What do we do? What happens? What's going on? When God's not coming through the way we hoped he would or how we've been praying for him to for so long. And so I said, the Lord, I wrote down here, the Lord makes a way always, even when it doesn't look like he's making a way. Even in defeat or perhaps even in death. Even when or if no answer comes, a battle is lost, we are not rescued, a martyr falls to the sword, a prayer request isn't granted, even then he prevails. Even then God prevails. He accomplishes his purposes, he brings us home, he tells our stories, he always makes a way. So I just think that was a word I wanted to throw out there on New Year, or around the New Year's time, that even when I don't see it, he's working. Amen? Even when I don't feel it, he's working. He never stops. He never stops working. It's a good word for us. That's a good word. So, having said that, we're about to jump back into a conversation today that picks up a study that we've been in for some time as a church family through the New Testament book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, we see in the very first chapter of, of Acts, we see the or the first couple of chapters, we see the birth of the church. Jesus has, has uh, ascended into heaven to be at the right hand of the Father. He sends the Holy Spirit. The church is born, and amazing, miraculous, mind-blowing things happen. 
the, the message of Jesus really begins to spread all over the city of Jerusalem. But we also know that through our study, and, and by the way, if you've missed any of those, those uh, sermons and teachings, then just uh, get thee to YouTube, as it were. That's a word from the Lord. Get thee to YouTube. And you can uh, subscribe, like or subscribe uh, to, uh, to our, our sermons, uh, Church on the Trail, Columbus, Georgia. And you can catch up on those messages because the book of Acts is jam-packed with amazing stuff. So we're going to start today. Our conversation is going to be about an amazing story that happened in the second half of the eighth chapter of the book of Acts. And so instead of going through a highlight reel of all of the previous seven and a half chapters, what we're going to do is we're going to sum up what we uh, have learned about the two big important things that happened. Now, Ed shared this a couple of, uh, a couple of weeks ago, or a couple of weeks before Christmas. It's kind of a summary, a summation. And it says, it's just a, a two statements, two quotes from the scripture that will carry us from Acts chapter 1 to Acts chapter 8. And so we're going to go to that now. And it says, in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, quoting Jesus, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And then this quote, the second quote, is from Acts chapter 8, verse 4, that says, Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. What happened between there is, as I said, miraculous spread of the message of Christ. Thousands upon thousands of people became believers. But a lot of persecution came up. So much so to where the persecution raised to the level of one of the first deacons that was ever ordained. There were seven guys that were ordained as deacons in Acts chapter 6. And one of them's name was Stephen. And he was a powerful preacher. He was a man full of grace and truth and led by the Holy Spirit. And he preached such a convicting message that the religious leaders freaked out and had him killed on the spot. Stephen was the first Martyr, And shortly after Stephen was put to death, that, that led the, the Christians in Jerusalem to scatter. And they went to, to, to different areas. And in the first half of chapter 8 of the book of Acts, we see a guy named Philip. Say Philip with me. Philip. Philip. Thank you. Philip. Now, there was a disciple, one of the twelve disciples... In the life of Jesus named Philip. This Philip we're talking about is a different Philip. It's a different guy named Philip, right? Philip 2. Philip part 2. The other Philip. And, and this guy, Philip, was one of the people that scattered from Jerusalem. He kind of went north into an, a region called Samaria. And a couple of weeks ago, Ed told us a story about how he went. As they scattered, they didn't just run for their lives. And hide and say, oh, let's wait until the, the persecution is passed. They actually scattered. And while they were fleeing, some of them literally at the peril of their lives, they told the story. They preached the gospel. And Philip did that crazy story in the first half of the book of, of, of chapter 8. So you need to check that out. Today, though, we're going to pick up another story that happened to Philip. Philip was a boss in Acts chapter 8. It's amazing stuff, right? So, are you guys ready to get into this conversation? Are you? All right, so, here's what you need to know before we get into it. We see that these people who scattered didn't scatter just out of necessity. They scattered and realized they were on mission. On mission. That is actually the title the fancy schmancy title of my sermon today. We're on, they were on mission. And guess who else is on mission? You and I. We are on mission as we go through our lives with, as Ed was saying just a few minutes ago, the responsibility, the calling to spread the good news of Jesus. The good news about Jesus Christ. The church Bible word for good news is the gospel. 
the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. So we're going to find, we're going to look at how Philip handled this scenario that came up, what it was like for him, and what it looks like for a guy like him and like us to be on mission. All right? So let's start reading this story, and we'll just kind of go through it a couple of verses at a time. And we're going to start in Acts chapter 8, verse 26. All right? It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. All right, we just need to address this for a second. It's pretty intense when a story starts with an angel of the Lord said to a guy, da-da-da-da-da-da. It's pretty wild, right? Never has happened to me, not once in all my 50-something years of existence on this planet. Never had an angel say, appear, or well, maybe, if I don't know. But I've never had an angel talk to me and tell me what to do. Weird, wild stuff. But it happened uh, several times in the book of Acts. And if you stay with us through this journey through the subsequent chapters, you'll see some pretty cool stories of how angels were used to interact. You know, through the Bible in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, we do see angels kind of uh, making appearances. It's pretty cool. You might ask yourself, self, if, if you call yourself self, you might say, self, why doesn't... Why doesn't that happen to me? Why don't angels appear? Well, I want to share with you my answer to that question. Why don't angels appear and why don't angels talk to us? Either ever or at least as frequently as we see from time to time in Scripture. Here's my answer. I I don't know. (laughs) Not really sure. Not 100% sure. But I do know this. That it's cool that it happened... But don't freak out if it never happens to you. Because there's really nothing in the New Testament Scripture. Even when you see the angels appearing, there's nothing really that's taught by the apostles as they're writing the New Testament letters that are designed to help us grow and teach us how to live a life of faith. There's really not that much about, here's what's going to happen. You're going to have angels popping up and talking to you. We just don't see it. And since we don't see it a lot, We don't sweat it. Are you good with that? But when we hear it, it's awesome. And you know what? God can do whatever he wants to do. So you might wake up tomorrow, angels sitting at the foot of your bed saying, get dressed and go to work. I don't know. It could happen. But in fact, we're actually warned in the book of Hebrews chapter 1 that we shouldn't be, we really shouldn't be looking around for the angels to appear. You know what I'm saying? That's the angels are awesome. But they're nothing compared to the Son of God, Jesus Christ, through whom we have redemption and, and for whom we live. And we get plenty of messages from God, primarily through His Scripture and through the Holy Spirit of God working through us. So, you know, we don't need the uh, touch. We don't have to be touched by an angel. I guess that's my point, right? Boy, there's a smattering of chuckles from the old people in the room. Nothing like 90s TV. Amen? Amen. Woo! Good stuff. Lord help us. So anyway, but I just dig Philip. He is awesome. Philip's on my list of guys I want to talk to when I get to heaven. Because he gets, you know, he just gets public. Really, his only press is this one chapter in the book of Acts. But he rocked it. I'm going to say, what was it like when angels said to you, I want you to leave Jerusalem. That's where he was at, all right? Because at the, right before this, we find out that even though he was in Samaria after he scattered, he and several of the other apostles came back to Jerusalem. So the angel says to him, I want you to rise and go towards the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And then a little note that uh, the writer, Luke, who wrote the book of Acts says, by the way, this was a desert place, all right? So, in fact... Check out that. Like I said, the last part of verse 26 says this was a desert place. And verse 27 says, and he arose, he rose and went. He rose and went. Now, I just want to take a quick minute, and we're going to get on to the good stuff of the story. But I just want to say that there is a 
on this mission that we're on, there's a default setting. There's a default setting. And that setting is obedience. The default setting for this mission that we're on is obedience. Philip just had a real spiritual high experience when he was spreading the gospel north of Jerusalem up there in Samaria. I mean, powerful stuff is going on. He's probably really feeling it. He's back in Jerusalem. Wonder what's going to happen next. And the angel says, here, we've got a cool assignment for you. I want you to pack up and I want you to do a, the most obnoxious road trip ever. I want you to go to a desert road. And I just want you to walk along the road. And that's all the information he gets. He doesn't get any, hey, Philip, check this out. Dude, you're going to get down there, and this is going to happen, and you're going to love it. He just says, need you to pack up and go walk in the desert. So my point is that the obedience thing cannot be overstated. we got to be at the default setting that I'm on mission. I'm going to... The answer is yes, Lord. Now, what's your question? That's... We're not... What happens when we're given instructions that we don't like? When we're told to go somewhere where we don't want to go? Philip, now I'm not saying he was any stranger to hard travel. He obviously was, and he traveled on foot everywhere he went. But man, really? I'm going down the desert road? Hey, hey! look, there are going to be assignments. There are going to be times. There are going to be instructions. There are going to be guidance that we receive, opportunities that open up for us. And we look at it and we go, nah, not really crazy about that. Not really thrilled. Rather not. Can I go back up north where there are hills and shade and it's a little nicer of a drive or a walk? No. You're going to go flat land. Desert, sand, sun, and you're gonna and he goes, he's obedient. He's he's hoping his provisions hold out. He doesn't know what he's supposed to do when he gets there. He only knows he's supposed to travel towards Gaza, south. Some almost forty miles south. Don't know how long it takes him to get there, but he obeys. So just throwing that out there. We're on mission. It's excited. We're pumped. And then we get an assignment and we go, there, really? Really? Obey. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. I didn't make that up. That's a song. It's a hymn. I don't want anybody to think, wow, nobody's heard that song? Anybody? Okay. Moving on. All right, so let's look at uh, verses uh, 27 and 28. And he arose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship, and verse 28 says, and was returning, going back home, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. So there you are. We don't know how long it took for Philip's path to cross with this Ethiopian eunuch and his chariot. We don't know. Was it hours? Was it a couple of days? I don't know. But at some point, there was this Ethiopian official. He's referred to as a eunuch. Now, that could mean just a, uh, a, a title of a political office that he held. He was a big man. He was an important guy because he was... The treasurer for, you see it says Candace. That's kind of a Latinized version of a, uh, of a, of a term for a queen historically in Ethiopia. And that, that, that was, it's actually pronounced Kandake. Kandake, all right? So that means great woman, all right? So ladies, if your husband's ever given you attitude... You say, listen here, son, you better check yourself. I'm talking to the Kandake of this house, the great woman. So, I mean, this guy may have been 
that might have been just a reference to his title. We're not, we're not sure, but more than likely, it was not just that. It was because cultures, uh, ancient cultures had this barbaric practice of if a man served in the royal court, uh, he would be, um, I mean, you know, he would be surgically sterilized. He would become a eunuch. Because they didn't want guys who were close to the seat of power to be, um, to be like tempted towards corruption by sensual desires. So more than likely, this guy was physically a eunuch. Ew, bummer, horrible. But that's, that, that's the way stuff worked back then. But this guy was very important. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. He had not come to Jerusalem on official political business. This guy was obviously seeking God. He was seeking God as a, as a foreigner, intrigued by the, the writings of, of the ancient Jewish religion, wanting to find out about this God that the Jews served. And he went to Jerusalem to worship. He's riding back home in style, by the way. Because he's in a chariot, he's sitting on a cushion, he's shaded, and he's reading from the ancient Jewish scriptures from the prophet Isaiah. We actually read from the prophet Isaiah just a few minutes ago. So here's, here's Philip, and he goes, huh, what do you know? The angel told me to come down here, and look, a chariot. Interesting. Then, let's, uh, let's look at verse 29. This is the cool part. This is when the good stuff starts, right? In verse 29, the Spirit said to Philip, the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Spirit spoke to Philip and said, go over and join this chariot. Go over and join this chariot. I want to give you one tr- a truth about our mission, a mission truth. You guys ready for this? A mission truth. The Holy Spirit speaks to Christ followers. The Holy Spirit speaks to Christ followers. Have you ever been creeped out by somebody who said, who in a conversation, a Christian, a believer, in their conversation, they use the phrase, God told me, and then goes on to say something. Has it, let's be honest. Has that ever freaked you out a little bit? You kind of raise your eyebrows, and you're like, really, dude? Seriously? God told you? Did he now? <laughs> really? Well, here's the thing. And I understand, because that can kind of creep me out, too. But here's the truth. The Holy Spirit is not... Uh, is not just the Holy Spirit is not an angel. The Holy Spirit is not a human being. The Holy Spirit is a third member of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God, and the Holy Spirit speaks and talks and tells things to Christ followers. Now, I'm going to tell you straight up, it is never supposed to be something that leads to pridefulness or creepiness. It's just not. But it's a thing, and it happens. God speaks to his children. Straight up, he speaks. He drops messages to us. And when he does, it's just like when the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go up beside that chariot. It happens. And we should get used to it. And we should not be creeped out by it. We should also not be creepy when we talk to other people about it. But I'm telling you, Jesus himself taught us. A little bit in the, book, in the book of John, a little bit in chapter 14, and a lot in chapter 16. 
And he told us. He told the disciples, but he was, you know, and, and, and to us through the scriptures. Jesus himself tells us that the Holy Spirit has many roles that he plays in our life. Including, but not limited to, guiding us into all truth. Teaching us. And I'm telling you, that's not just, I mean, that's a verbal thing. That happens. All right? Now, I will ask Philip when we get to heaven. I said, was it, was it audible? Did you hear a voice or not? Because here's the deal. In my life, I, I really can't remember that I ever one time heard the audible voice of God speaking to me. Never once. I'm not saying I wouldn't mind it. I do think it would freak me out, though. Let's be honest. Would it not? You know, like, you know, Morgan Freeman's voice. You know, well, sorry. That was not necessary. But wouldn't mind it, I don't think. But I know that on many, many occasions, with regularity, God speaks to me. He speaks to me through His Holy Spirit. Now, wisdom and biblical principles tell us that if you ever think that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, there are ways, there, there are like guardrails that you can use to make sure that it is and that it's not just something you're making up or something weird or something strange. And probably the best guardrail of all is the fact that if you sense and feel like God is speaking something to you, it will not, it could not possibly contradict what is revealed to us in the, in the Holy Scriptures. It just doesn't. It doesn't. You can't. For instance, and I know this may sound extreme, but I remember talking to a friend one time who really told me that he believed that God was leading him into a new romantic relationship. And I was like, cool, tell me about it. It was with another man's wife. And I said to him, well, I can guarantee you that that is not God speaking to you. Because it contradicts the revealed written word of God. If you feel like you are being directed. And you think somehow that God is directing you. To do something corrupt or illegal in your business dealings. I promise you that's not God. Because it, it would contradict the revealed word of God. There are, those are extreme examples, but I'm, I'm, but I'm telling you. God speaks to his children through the Holy Spirit. And when he does, it is not always ink on page, find a reference, quote from the Bible, that the, the revealed word of God. But it will never contradict the revealed word of God. Another great thing to do when you feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking to you is seek wise counsel, people that you trust. Hey, you know, I'm getting a feeling that maybe God's working on something and wants me to do something. What do you think? You get, you get wisdom. Colossians chapter 3 uh, verse 15 tells us that the peace of God itself can rule and reign in our hearts. So there are different ways to make sure that we don't get off lost in the woods. But I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit speaks to His people, to God's people. Get used to it. Get into it. Learn it. That's, that's my encouragement to you. had an experience uh, the week before Christmas. On, on, it was Wednesday before Christmas. Christmas was on Saturday. So Wednesday, uh, the, I, I serve as chaplain to some businesses in uh, some of the lo towns locally here. And, and two of the businesses were closed on Christmas Eve. Right? So I was like, oh, so Wednesday morning, I thought, 
I had a thought. Thought popped into my head. You know what? I should go, since I'm not going to see those two businesses on Friday, I should go to one of them on Wednesday morning. Because I got this little sliver of time on Wednesday morning where I could go check in on them, say, hey, Merry Christmas, not going to see you Friday, blah, 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 right? So I could do, so I had a chance to do that. And, uh, and then I thought, well, I can only visit one of them. Which one should I visit? I don't know. So I thought, you know, I'll do that one over there. Yeah. So I, I chose one. I just, I just picked one. I thought, you know what, I, I'm going to talk to those guys. So I pop in, got a couple of minutes, you know, whatever. And this is not a requirement. It's not one of my job requirements. They don't say, hey, that my, my job says, my bosses say, if they're closed, you don't have to go. You'll see them next week. No big deal. I just had the feeling I should go. So I go. I pick that one. I go in there. I walk in there. I see the boss, uh, the manager. I say, hey, man, branch manager. I was like, hey, I got, just got a minute. I want to come say hi. He looked at me. He's crying. Tears rolling out of his eyes. He said, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here. He got word in the middle of the night, a few hours before, about one of, the, one of his team members wife went into hospice, a 40-year-old woman uh, who was battling cancer and took a turn for the worse and went like lightning fast downhill. And he was like, I'm about to tell all my crew that this, that, that this, this, ha- this has happened. And I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do this. So I was able to pray with him. And then I was able to, and, and then when they had their morning meeting, he said, chap, can you talk to us and I was able to share my heart and share scripture and pray for comfort and I believe that that moment is going to lead to a lot of opportunities to have conversations with a lot of those different people and including the family that was most affected I didn't hear an audible voice but I'm telling you right now the Holy Spirit said to Richard go there Wednesday morning that was God and he talked to me all right God told me to go there. You know why I know God told me to go there? Because I'm not smart enough to do that. I can't make that up. I guarantee you if it was up to me, if I went anywhere at all, I would have went, went to the other business. High-fived everybody. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. The need was there. And the Holy Spirit said to Richard, why don't you go over there this morning? It happens. It's not creepy. There's biblical precedent for it. And there's a way for us to function like that without getting weird. I'm telling you, that's the way it is. So that's the truth about being on mission. God will tell you stuff. And you don't have to be weird about it. But you ch- we ought to gum enjoy it. You understand what I'm saying? The Lord speaks. Now, I can't find a verse, a, a chapter and verse that says, if they have a day off, go see them on Wednesday instead of Friday. Mm-mm. But you know what I do find a verse? I find Acts chapter 8 where just a normal guy Not one of the apostles. Not one of the guys who walked with Jesus for three years. A normal guy. A deacon in the church. The Holy Spirit said, go talk to that guy in the chariot. That's what this mission is about. So, if that freaks you out, ed at churchonthetrail.org. I'm kidding. You can email me. You can email me. I would be glad to do it. But here's the thing. I'll tell. I'll warn you. When God directs you, and like I said, I don't run around using the phrase, God told me. I could, and it wouldn't be lying. But I don't. Because I don't think it helps people. Personally, it's just my opinion, right? I don't think it helps. What I tell people is, look what God did. Just pop this thought into my head. Gave me a gut feeling. I went with it. What do you know? Look at God. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? But let me tell you something. When it happens, sometimes you're going to go, you sure, Lord? 
Philip's going over there. He's going, so you want me to go talk to this? This guy looks like he's got it together. This guy don't need nothing. from. What do I have? I mean, this fella, he's riding in style. Sitting up in there in a Surrey with a fringe on top. I mean, he's just going home. He's probably got security. They're going to even let me come up. How close are they going to let me get to that, to that chariot deal? It's not always going to make sense. But God wants you to run up next to that, that chariot. All right? God's going to, this week, I promise you, thus saith the Lord, but the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you, and he's going to say, run up next to that chariot. And you're going to go, dang, not that one. Really? So let's, uh, let's keep going into the, uh, let's look at verse 30 and 31. So Philip ran to him. And when, as he ran, he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. Or it, we heard from earlier, it was, but he heard him reading the scriptures, the prophet, right? Because So he's reading out loud. This guy's in his chariot going, Isaiah, you know. The, and, and he's reading it, and he hear, hears it, and he asks, do you understand what you're reading? And the man said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he, the Ethiopian guy, invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now Philip's riding in style. He's sitting on a cushion. He's like, man, this is not a bad assignment after all. Look at me. I have such a bad attitude. All right. So here's how it works. Philip says, okay, Holy Spirit, <laughs> I'll jog up to this, to this chariot. And he's jogging. I don't know if he had to encounter security. We don't know. It'll be something we can ask him. But he's jogging. He goes, up running right couldn't help but overhear you reading the prophet Isaiah it's just you know what do you, couldn't help but hear that you're reading do you understand what you're reading and God says not even close I don't have a clue about this how in the world would I unless a Jewish guy started running beside my chariot. Why don't you come up on here? And, and, and so, boom, the conversation begins. Here's, here's, a, uh, here's a mission hack. You ever heard of life hacks? I got a mission hack for you. The first of many. The first mission hack. Listen and ask questions. Listen and ask questions. If you are directed... By the Holy Spirit to run alongside somebody's, uh, somebody's ride, the f- your first task is just to pay attention, just to listen. What do I say? I don't know what you should say, but I guarantee you the first thing you should say should have something to do with what you hear them saying. Just listen, ask questions. Ask questions like, uh, how was Christmas? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be cute. How was Christmas? Talked to a buddy t- this week. How was Christmas? Yeah, it was all right, I guess. All right, so I had a choice at that moment to say, okay, mine was great. <laughs> Santa was good. Kids happy? No, the guy said, eh, it was okay, okay, I guess. So I asked just the, the probing question, the wise, you know, just that comes from years of experience and expertise in talking to people. I said, tell me more about that. I didn't know what to say because I was like, dude, he obviously didn't have a good Christmas. But I asked him, I said, well, tell me more. And he could have at that time said, eh, we'll talk about it some other time. I'd rather not talk about it. Which at that point, I would have said, so do you think Georgia's going to beat Michigan? So, I, you know what I'm saying? I, I only get, see, Philip was granted permission to get in the chariot and have a deeper conversation. But it started with a question based on what he heard. The guy talking, reading, slash going through. So that's the first question we should ask. 
Our first question should be about whatever they're saying and whatever we know that they're going through. And we say, tell me more about that. How so? Christmas sucked. How so? And the, the answer will either be not now, and we say, cool, I'll just keep running alongside you. And when you're ready, I'll be ready to hop up in that chariot and have a conversation. But thankfully for me, the guy said, well, and he listed the reasons. And it led to some really good conversation and some ministry and some prayer. And we were able to help each other. Just ask questions. Listen. Be curious. So that's a mission hack. All right? So what happens then? Um, now the passage of Scripture that the Ethiopian was reading was this. And it's from Isaiah chapter 53, which is the absolute perfect thing for this guy to be reading because it's a prophecy that Isaiah wrote about the crucifixion, the death of Jesus himself. So let's read through what the Ethiopian was actually reading. You ready? This is the passage. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before his shearer is silent so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe this his generation, for his life is taking, taken away from the earth. That's his actual prophecy about Jesus. That's what this guy's reading. And you can bet that Philip's going, oh, sweet. Because he's already been invited into the conversation. The guy's reading stuff about Jesus, doesn't have a clue what it means. Philip is in, baby. Now, let's go to uh, verse 34 and 35. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does this prophet say all these things? Uh, is it about himself or is it about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. Oh, I love this. Don't you see how this plays out? You got a guy who's willing to be obedient. And go wherever he's instructed to go. And then when he's told something by God himself to do, to go up and talk and run alongside this guy's chariot, he does it. He listens. He asks a good question. He gets permission. gets invited into a conversation. And the bottom line happens, which is always the bottom line. And it's always the goal. He gets to tell him the good news about Jesus. Wow. I love this. All right. A um, couple of thoughts here. All right. Um, I want to ask you to say the, the next uh, hack we're going to talk about in a second. But if you look at the... No, can we go back up? Can we go back? Sorry. Can you look at uh, verse 35 you see here down near the bottom of the screen? The first three words beginning with this. Say those three words with me. Beginning with this. Let's try again. A little better. Stronger. Louder. Beginning with this. So here's the mission hack. Number two. Start right where you are. Start right where you are. Start right where that conversation is. Start right where the person is. I started my conversation, that story I was telling you about at Christmas. About family. About drama. About loss. About heartbreak. I started right where the conversation was. It's not rocket science. It's start right where you are because... You can get to the good news from anywhere. You can get to the gospel from any conversation. It's doable. You can get to your Jesus story from wherever that person is. It can happen. Start right where you are. It's not about, okay, how do I, all right, let me, what verse, uh, let me, let me, let me show them a chart. Here's the chart. 
Start right where you are. From beginning with that passage of Scripture. And you know from there, Philip went, boom, and he went to other prophecies about Jesus, and he was able to tell him the good news. He was, he was able to spread the good news. Now, the next thing, uh, let's go back to those verses, verse 34 and 35. says, Philip, beginning with this Scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. The good news. And, and that's the mission focus. The mission focus is always the Jesus story. The simple but powerful, mind-blowing Jesus story. That we as people, both the person you're talking to and you yourself, we were dead in our sin. Sin didn't make us bad people. Sin makes us dead people. And we were spiritually dead. Created by God. Valuable to God. Precious to God. But broken by sin. And there was no other way but through the sacrifice of Jesus for our sin problem to be dealt with. His blood shed for us. Jesus, the perfect Son of God, sacrificed Himself so that you and I, so that you, you and me can now come to God, that we would have the power to turn from our sin, to be forgiven, and to be connected back in relationship with God. And He died on the cross and he didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave. He came back to life. And his life, his death, and his resurrection make a way. The ultimate way-making move that God ever did was the good news story of Jesus. This is our mission focus. This is, this is the, the good news. Maybe today, maybe you today, you're realizing, whether you're here in the room or watching on this, on this link, maybe you're realizing, I don't have a relationship with God. I am broken. What do I do? Receive the free gift of salvation. Ask God to forgive your sin. Help, ask Him to help you turn from your sin. And be made right with God. That's what we do. That's the good news. That's the good news of Jesus. If you've never done that, why not today? Why not today? Why not right now? The Bible says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from that deadness of sin. We could do, you could do that right now. You could call out to the Lord. It's simple. All you have to do is pray and call out to him and say, God, forgive my sin. Help me to turn from my sin. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Bring me from deadness to life with you. That's all it's, that's what, that, that begins the journey. That's what the, the Ethiopian guy did on the, in the middle of this story. It's what you could do right now. Just call on the name of the Lord. Right now, in this moment. And be made right with God. It's the best. It's not just good news. It's the best news ever. The good news of Jesus. This is us. This is what we do. This is what has happened to us. And we get to share that story over and over and over again. The mission focus is always the good news, the Jesus story, the story of Jesus. You know what's really cool? And we're, we're getting close to the end. Y'all hang in there with me. What's really cool about the, guy, the fact that this guy in the chair was reading Isaiah 53 is that he was only technically what we would call three chapters away 
from an amazing promise that God made in Isaiah chapter 56, verses 3 and 5. 3, 4 and 5. I'm going to read it to you. It's not on the screen, but I'm going to read it to you because it's a promise that's made to people who felt like because of laws and regulations and race and even gender that they people that felt like that they would not be accepted in a relationship with God that they couldn't worship just quite as awesomely as everybody else but the prophet Isaiah makes a promise check out the language Verse 3, let not the foreigner say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. This guy reading in the chariot was a foreigner. And he probably thought, I could never be really in like the Jewish people, but I really want to worship this God. He probably never let me like be really, really in with him. But I do want to try. Check out the next line. It says... Let not the eunuch say, I am a dry tree. For thus saith the Lord, to the eunuch who choose, to eunuchs who choose the things that please me and hold fast to my covenant, I will give them in my house and within my walls a monument and a name that is better than sons and daughters. And I will give them an everlasting name that will never perish. This guy, everything that he thought disqualified him, just a few chapters from where he was reading that day, God made a promise. He said, one day, it doesn't matter about any of it, any of that stuff, whether you're a foreigner, whether you're a eunuch, whether you, none of it matters because I'm going to make a covenant. We now know that covenant was ratified and sealed with it. Sacrifice Jesus on the cross. I'm going to make a covenant. Everybody can get in. Every single stinking one of you can get in. Everybody. It's for all of us. So here's something the Lord would want to say to us today. It doesn't matter what you think disqualifies you. Whatever you think makes you less than. Whatever you think keeps you on the outside edges of the God thing. Whatever you think disqualifies you, it doesn't. It doesn't. Jesus has made a way. And he is inviting us all in. That's the cool thing. That's just one of the amazing things about this story. All right. Now, we're going to wrap this up, okay? You ready? This is where it gets, this story's about to get crazy. I don't know if y'all ready for this. All right, because I don't know if I was. All right, so in verse 36 and 37, as they were going along the road, they came to some water, which, study that a little bit. Not, not a common thing on this desert road, by the way. But they came by some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And the answer to that question is, nothing. Nothing prevents you from being baptized. And then verse 37, and Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And, and the eunuch replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Hey, we don't have a lot of time, but I just need to mention that in... In your Bible, you might notice that verse 37 might be missing. Or it might be at the bottom in a footnote. New Testament compiled from manuscripts in the early centuries of the church, right? And, and there are some manuscripts that have verse 37 in them. And there are some manuscripts that don't have verse 37 in them. My ESV has it at the bottom. And it literally says... Some manuscripts have this, some don't. It's not a conspiracy. It doesn't mean it's a hoax. It just means some did, some don't. Don't panic. But it is really cool to study how all of the work on manuscripts were done. So if you have Logos through Faith Life, which is our platform for connecting here at 
at uh, Church on the Trail. If you're a member and you're on Faith Life, you can get on Logos and you can look at uh, textual criticism. That's what it's called. It's really fascinating stuff. We don't have time to talk about it tonight, today. So, well, it's almost tonight if I keep going. So, (laughs) but it's really interesting. But like I said, don't panic. It's all good. It's very much in line with how the apostles always preached during the book of Acts. They always got to this point about believing. And if you believed, then you could be baptized. So there you go. Now, moving on to verse 38. It says, And he commanded the chariot to stop. They both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. It's really cool. It's really cool to get baptized as quickly as you can after you become a believer. So if maybe earlier today, like, like five or ten minutes ago, if you became a believer by praying the prayer that I kind of led us through, let us know. Let us know we'd like to baptize you. It's a great thing. And we'll teach you all about what the, the baptism moment is about. But this is, this is a great thing. All right? So, verse 39, here's where it gets funky. All right? And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. Philip disappeared. He literally, he was gone. Like, like vaporized. Come up out of the water. Now, what would you do if that happened at, at one of our God plunges? Ed, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, pull somebody up. He's gone. Where'd he go? I don't know. That would be a trip, wouldn't it? Philip was taken by the Spirit of God, and we'll find out here in just a second what happened. But the eunuch was like, he was like, dude, this is so cool. This guy's run up beside my chariot. Just who I needed at the time. Pops in the chariot. I understand. I believe. I make a faith decision. I get baptized, and he's gone. I cannot wait to tell this story. And he did. And he went back to Ethiopia. And the gospel, the good news of Jesus, spread through this man to a whole other people group. How cool is that? Now let's go to the next verse. But Philip found himself at another town called Azotos. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. So think about Philip. He baptizes the guy. Suddenly, he's standing in the middle of another town. What just happened? I just can't wait to talk to him about this. You know, all the movies that we see with special effects, see, I, we can almost visualize, whoosh, you know, like he's going through this vortex. <laughs> Maybe he does a superhero, you know, landing on the knee or whatever. But, and what does he do? Does he freak out? What just happened? Do I have my bag? Do I have my water? What am I doing? You know, you know what he does? He's like, well. I'm just going to keep telling the story. So he starts preaching the gospel in that town. And then he, on his journey, he kind of just works his way north, kind of a coastal town or almost on the coast. And he's hitting all these towns until he lands in Caesarea, which is north, uh, kind of in the northern region there. And that's where he settled. And that's all we know. Other than the fact that he ended up raising a family, had four daughters, all of which had the gift of prophecy. We'll get to that later in Acts. They were, imagine having a prophetess as a daughter. That'd be pretty cool. He had four of them. Man, they they had it going on, man. And as a guy in Caesarea who is clearly still ministering to people, one day Paul is traveling through there, Paul the apostle, years and years later, and he needs a bed and breakfast. (laughs) Philip's there. Boom. Here he is. And then they have a church meeting, and it's real, the Holy Spirit's moving, and another guy comes and prophesies something real important to Paul. Really cool stuff. But Philip ended up in Caesarea. So here's the last, here's the last point, the mission hack. Number three, expect the unexpected. Expect the unexpected. Do you think at any point Phil asked himself or asked God, how did I get here? How did I get here? I was baptizing a dude 
And then I'm like, zoom, suddenly in another town. In real time, instantly, I got beamed, Star Trek-like, zoom, to one. Transported is, is one of the words that people use. This is wild, weird, wild stuff. How did I get here? wonder why that doesn't happen now. You know, why doesn't, why doesn't God, like, transport me around Atlanta, you know, traffic? If I need to go north, can he just, you know, why doesn't, why do, why doesn't that happen? Again, I don't see anything in, uh, in the New Testament teachings or scriptures that tell us we should expect this kind of thing to happen to us. But God can do whatever he wants to do. You know what I mean? I will tell you this. We are on mission. And if we embrace that, and if we obey the Lord's directing, and when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, we take a chance. Ride along with somebody. Run alongside somebody. Start asking questions. Conversations will happen that maybe we didn't see coming. We'll end up in places that we probably never planned. I don't know. I've never been transported from one place to the next like Philip. I don't know about anybody who ever has. But I know a lot of people who when they're talking about their story, they sometimes look, I'm, I'm done, thank you. They sometimes look to, and they say, how did I get here? How did I get from where I was in my life to, to this look my whole pitch today has been about being on a mission if, if we if you and I if we were to accept the invitation to be on mission with God it's kind of a lot of what we talked about even Ed and I here last Sunday we'd like to do something too but if we accept that invitation have moments where we where through our obedience God is able to say things to people who don't understand what they're reading to people who don't understand what they're going through to people who can't put two and two together about the craziness or the trauma the pain of their lives the shame or the guilt that they're dealing with and trying to work off and hoping that maybe they could be good enough to just be led in the building of faith, so to speak. But God could take our lives and He could plant us up alongside somebody's chariot, somebody's conversations, and, and He might could take our words and our conversations and make a difference. make us experts, doesn't make us professionals, doesn't mean we have all the answers. You know what it means? We're just lantern holders. We're on a path, and we're, and we're walking this path of faith, and we come alongside, and we say, would you like, I don't have it all together, but I tell you what, we could walk together, you and I. Come, come, I've got a lantern, and maybe this will help us find our way. Have you ever had a conversation with someone where you said to them, I'm really glad you were here. I'm really glad you were here when I got here. Anybody? back here for some reason. And he told his Jesus story enough to where it helped people like me. And I told him, I said, I know you probably had planned to be living somewhere else. That could be us. That could be us. 
people that we might not even know yet or not know well. And there's, they need somebody to talk to. They need somebody to help them try to understand stuff. And one day they might be looking at you and saying, that an invitation that you feel like you can accept? Is that an invitation that you're willing to jump in on? Is that a road? Let's, could we do, could we walk this desert road together? And could we do that? And could we just see who it is that God brings along our path? And see who it is that God says, go talk to them. Go ask them. Just be there when they're ready to ask you to ride along. Could you, will you join us? on that journey will you come and be a part of that mission with us not a rhetorical question will you do it are you in are you with us are you let's do it stand with us Stand. we're going to close our service mercifully thank god this is going forever all right we are going to sing one last song as worship as worship to the lord as a prayer to the Lord, thanking Jesus for dying, for spilling his blood on the cross. And let's let this moment of worship be a renewal of our commitment to be on mission for how God wants to take us and our stories and our questions and our availability and our actual physical location to make a difference and an impact in someone else's life. Let's recommit to that today. Can you do that with me today? Lord, make it so in our hearts. We are available to you. Thank you, Jesus.